to Y2B Fit Talks, where we dive deep into the world of fitness, health, and wellness. Join us as we have heart-to-heart conversations with members of our vibrant boutique fitness studio right here in the heart of Philadelphia. Discover how our unique approach helps our clients build consistency and discipline for long-lasting health and well-being. I think we're good. Well, welcome back, folks. Uh, today we have Why to Be Fit Talks. Today. What's today? It is a rainy Saturday. And today we're here with Crystal. And our guest today is Nina. So Nina, why don't you introduce yourself and um, tell us why, why you're here. Well, I'm Nina Sachdev. I'm a client of Y2B Fit. Thank you for having me. My journey here has been long and at times very difficult. Um, I am a mother of two. I live in Roxborough near you guys. <laughs> I was a journalist for a long time. Now I still work in the journalism space. Um, so that's what I do for a living. So basically my story started in 2015 when I was pregnant with my second daughter. And in my third trimester, I started to feel an incredible amount of pain in my right hip. And when I went to see my OB about it, he was kind of like, you've got a baby in your stomach. It's, you know, there's a lot of pressure down there. I wouldn't worry too much about it, but I kind of knew that it was not, I, I knew that it was something muscular. It was actual pain in my hip. It wasn't really having anything to do with the baby. I knew that. And so, you know, I had my daughter and when the doctor said that I was cleared to exercise again, I started feeling that pain immensely. And I went to see a chiropractor who specialized in with postpartum women and that felt better for a while. And I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to like go back to bar or Pilates. And the pain was just so severe. And I just, I knew something was terribly wrong. And I just also just want to say that I think the way that women's pain is interpreted and managed and analyzed by the medical system is very much a factor in my story. And I don't know if you've had this experience as well. I know other women have, but pain is often dismissed when you are a woman. And so I had doctor after doctor saying, I'll write you a script for PT, go to PT, um, and you'll be fine. Right. And I even had a doctor who said, I'll write you a script for PT, and I'll also give you a running program because you need to get in shape, basically. Six wow. weeks, you know, six to eight weeks after having a baby, it was like, you just need to start running. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, wow. I'm in real pain, man. You know, like I couldn't kneel down over the tub to give my baby a bath because I just couldn't, I just, I couldn't lean on my knees. I just, I, could barely walk. It was very painful. And so I, it's really important to call out that <laughs> women's pain in the U.S. healthcare system, um, there's room for improvement Absolutely. there. And especially, so, as you mentioned, like related to pregnancy and postpartum, I feel like even more so. Like For sure. Yeah. And I, and, you know, I struggled for a while. And then finally, probably in 2016, you know, a year after sort of dealing with this thing, I finally found a doctor and he said, you, 
the labrum in your right hip is torn to shreds. It's like a bomb went off in there, you know, like after finally getting somebody who had prescribed me an MRI. What? And it took a year. It took a year of <laughs> just being like, hey, you just need to do this. You'll be fine. So I got my surgery in uh, 2017. And the struggle after surgery was honestly just as difficult as the struggle to get to surgery. Because again, it was 12 weeks of PT, you'll be good. You know, and it's just, that's just not how recovery from surgery works from any major injury. There were weeks where I just couldn't walk, you know, my gait was off and, and um, I just, I didn't know what to do because PT only takes you so far. Right. And I just thought for a while that this is it. This is what post-surgery looks like. Yeah. My doctor, my surgeon said, you'll never run again. This, you know, running isn't in your future. Mm. I told you that when I first came in. Mm -hmm. And so there were just a lot of roadblocks. I just didn't know where to go, didn't know what to do. And it's kind of a miracle that I found my way here and found you guys because I feel like I can move functionally again wow. after, what, seven years. Yeah. <laughs> so that's amazing. I know, right? So, so that's amazing. <laughs> What was the thing, so you keep getting no and this and that, mm -hmm. what was the thing, or maybe a couple things that really kept you on the track of like, I'm going to figure this out? Because I think a lot of people really, when they're faced with adversity like that, it's just like, shut down. Yeah. I mean, part of it was, I didn't have a choice. I had to keep looking for solutions because not walking is not an option when you are a parent. True. And the other thing is not holding your baby when you are a mother is also not an option. And I couldn't hold Sophia, my youngest. I just couldn't hold her even at, you know, 15 pounds. It was, it was too painful. And so that was number one. It was just like the drive to just keep looking for something. Mm -hmm that would make it better. And I think number two is I, I did, there were some people along the way who kind of helped steer me. My first physical therapist before I got surgery was the one who said, you've been coming here for months and I've seen zero improvement. You should really go get an MRI. And I was like, nobody's ever told me that before. Right. <laughs> and then after surgery, I had a different physical therapist and she said you should really check out Pilates Pilates you know I can only get you so far go find an exercise that's safe and that will help build you strength and so that's what I was doing before I came here was Pilates mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like the thing that you said it's like this just wasn't an option and you decided you made a decision you say you don't have a choice but you made a clear decision to be like Nope, I'm not accepting this and I'm going to keep moving forward. And, you know, in knowing your story and you're going to share the rest of that kind of, that was kind of the modus operandi. That was the thing that you just kept on saying, nope, I won't accept this mm -hmm. and I'm going to keep moving on. Because that seems to be a, a good common theme in, in, in what you've been able to accomplish through this. With that being said, what was, what else helped? So you had a couple people that helped you along your journey. Mm -hmm. Right. So a good thing for, you know, clients and people listening and watching is 
you know, find an advocate. You know, when you don't get something, an answer that you don't like, there's always other answers and potentially even a second opinion, right? And you didn't accept that, you know, those things and said, you know what, I'm going to go find something that, that, that jives better with me, mm -hmm. right? Definitely. So what else, what else kind of helped you in there? So you had some people. Mm -hmm. I just think, I think um, my determination and my patience, mm. I really tried to stay patient um, just because when you think about life as the long game, you're playing the long game in life, right? Mm -hmm. You have to think about long-term results, not short-term gains. And so I knew that that this was going to be a journey for me. I even knew, you know, in 2017 when I got surgery that it was going to be a journey mm -hmm. because healing doesn't happen overnight. First, you have to learn to walk again. I literally had to learn to walk again. And then it was starting, starting at the basic, like when you're on crutches for three, four weeks, it, it messes with your gait. So it was like, okay, step one, learn to walk again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that was, a lesson for me that it's a lesson that I think I keep learning and I think a lot of us keep learning is that you have to understand that these things take a lot of time so that kind of helped me stay in the game it was like okay let's tackle this thing first and then after we do this then we'll tackle this thing and then everything is a it's a process and so um and and also I think growing up my dad would always tell us life isn't a dress rehearsal. You've got one chance, right? And so the way that he raised us was like, whatever you do, just be the best version of yourself for you and for your family. And so that's really the thing that drives me is that my children deserve the best version of me. I deserve the best version of me, but as soon as I made the choice to have children, I made a pact and that pact is, it's my job to be the best version for them. Yeah. So that's really, that's, I think, one of the most important things a parent can do is to realize that you're not just in it for yourself anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what a deep motivation, right? To keep pushing you forward. Yeah. And I guess one of the, one of the great things that's so amazing with that lens that you're looking through and, and your why is that it's cued every day in you. So the minute that you look at your daughter, it's like, oh wait, I know what I have to do. The minute that you have to do this next thing or do this workout or do this PT session, it's like, you look at your daughter and you're like, okay, this is, this is one of the reasons I'm doing this. And that's a lot of, you know, what we do with clients in, at why to be fit is we say, live your why. And those things have to be present, top of mind and present so that we can kind of continue on that path. So it seems that you've been practicing this for a long time, uh, living your why. Is there anything else that helped you besides your daughters and anything else in, in being consistent with this? You know, music or literature or things you read or mindset shifts that you made mm -hmm. that helped you along this journey? Yeah, I mean, I think... I would say a combination of some internal things um, and then some external things like my husband, Harry, he's my biggest cheerleader. He <laughs> remembers 
days where I just, I couldn't move, couldn't get up. And he would, you know, he would like take, take on the role of physical therapist and massage my hip flexor. Um, he just is the most, I think it really helps to have someone who's always in your corner at home. So that's one thing. The other thing I think is internal to me. I, I just, I'm a glass half full kind of gal, you know, I wake up every day and I'm like, okay, maybe today isn't the best day of my life, but I have hope. And so I think some of it is just who you are, what your character is. Are you a person who sees the day as a day full of opportunities? If so, then you'll probably grab some of them. If you're not that kind of person, maybe you won't. So I just, you know, I bring levity and and lightness to my life. That positive mindset really helps too. When you see like such a long journey ahead, like yeah, yeah, I think the positive mindset helps too when you're in an incredibly negative mindset because those days happen, dark days happen. It's a part of life, but who you are, what what position you start from, helps you navigate those dark days. Right, and. A lot of people say that like when you have these journeys and challenges that they're it's like character revealing so what did you what was one thing or maybe a couple of the two things that you learned about yourself kind of like through this process that is a tough one i i would say one thing that i've learned is that i try i actually i actively reject the label of being a superhero mom i don't mm-hmm. want to be a superhero mom mm-hmm. because i don't want to I don't want society or the world or whoever it is I don't want people to think that you have to be a superhero to be successful I just want to be a woman who takes care of her family and works out and watches tv whenever I want and if that means not doing the laundry you know and like (laughs) 18 other tasks so I, I just I don't know if other people feel that way you're you're a bomb. I don't know if you feel that way. Like I I reject that label sometimes. Right. It's like just leave me alone. I don't want to be a superhero in your eyes. I just mm. want to be me. You know. <laughs> right. And it has this like unrealistic expectation you have to try to keep up with. Yes. Yes. I I reject those expectations. <laughs> like whether or not I think of myself as a badass, that's for me to decide. Right. <laughs> um, but I would say the other thing is patience. I, I'm a very patient person and you have to be when you're coming back from an injury or if you're doing anything that's hard. So important in this, in the process of like working out in general, I think a lot of people want that quick fix of like, okay, well, what's going to get me there in two weeks or a month and it doesn't work that way. Yeah. I mean, I want a quick fix too, Right, but (laughs) we all do, (laughs) but I'm willing to to work at it. What are some of the things that made you really patient? I'm a first generation American. So both of my parents are immigrants. And this is very common in immigrant families that the way that, that children are raised, it's like, keep your eye on the prize. You work, you work, work, work. You find success, you work some more and that's life. But the other thing that my dad instilled in us was that yes, you're going to work and you're going to work hard, but also you need to have perspective and you need to know 
again, that life is about long-term gains, not short-term results. And he really hammered that home. He, he just had a very calm presence in our lives. It was like, even when you think something is going wrong, if you just sit with it for a minute and just be patient, whatever that thing is will go away and the solution will reveal itself. Or just, he, he just, he was really good at teaching us that things aren't as bad as they seem if you just sit with it for a minute. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. What a great like, approach to mindfulness. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's hard. It's hard to, to live that every day, but I, I see in our society, especially that people are just really obsessed with short-term gains, right? Like, I mean, look at the stock market. That's all it is, right? <laughs> short-term gains. When getting to like working out, okay, mm -hmm. before this, what did you grow up playing sports? What did your movement mm -hmm. kind of practice look like as you were younger? And then mm -hmm. how did it change and develop over time? Sports were not a big focus growing up in my household because like I said, it was work, right? Mm -hmm. Like you study and you get good grades and your job in this world is to be a good student and to find success, especially for me as the oldest daughter, it was, I had the added um, stress of understanding that I needed to grow up taking care of myself because, you know, my parents would be really upset if they knew that I was relying on any man or partner to, right. to live. And so independence was the focus of my upbringing. And so sports just wasn't like a thing. Mm -hmm. Plus as, you know, as immigrants, there was no football wasn't on in our household, you know, baseball wasn't on. I played soccer when I was a kid. I ran cross country for a season. I played basketball until I realized that I was always going to be 5'3". <laughs> <laughs> I played tennis for a couple summers, um, but none of that stuck. Um, the one thing that always stuck was that my mom was a walker and I'm a walker. And so I, I've always walked, which is a really healthy thing to do. And I still, I have a dog, so I walk every day and I really enjoy it. And when did you start to find um, fitness? So you were a walker, you got done, you know, as you were young and then you, you became a walker. And then like, mm -hmm. what did you try different things? What? Yeah, I, I never really, I never really hit the gym. I never really tried weightlifting. I never did circuit training. In my 20s, I found Bikram yoga. Um, and I did that pretty religiously for seven or eight years. And, you know, I would do like 30 day challenges where I would do it every day or 60 day challenges. And I would do it every day for 60 days, which is really intense. It is really, really intense. All that sweating. But it made me feel good, you know, and it kept me, it allowed me to eat whatever I wanted to eat. <laughs> sure. And that is nice. And that is nice. Um, but the thing that I really liked about Bikram yoga is that it helped me maintain my physical mental connection. So I've always known about myself that I've needed to have physical activity in order to be okay up here. Mm -hmm. 
and that's still true today. It's probably even more true today now that fitness is like a habit. It's something that I do just like brushing my teeth. And so Bikram is moving meditation, right? It's just that it's also the thing that probably led to my labrum tearing in half. Could <laughs> be. Yeah. We could. We're not doctors, but overuse injury. We know what an overuse injury when we see. Yeah. Yeah. And and just for you know, kind of the people listening, uh, Bikram, you're doing the same. How many poses? Twenty six. Twenty six poses. Um, in 90 minutes. In 90 minutes. In 102 degrees. 102 whatever. Fish degrees. degrees. Every single time. Every single time. 90 minutes. Yes. And Every day rinse, for 60 repeat, days straight. Rinse, yeah. repeat. Yeah. And that was uh, popular at the time. Yeah. So. Did you do that while you were pregnant? Or was this before? I did in, in the first, a little bit in the first trimester. And then I started... Um, then I had morning sickness and I was like, nope. Yeah. Fast forward a little bit. So you've had the surgery, mm-hmm. right? You started doing uh, Pilates. Yeah. You were doing some physical therapy. Describe to me like where, where you were with that point. I, I was feeling pretty good with Pilates. I was doing it three to four days a week. I started doing it in the early part of COVID, mm-hmm. I kind of, I think like a lot of people in COVID and probably for parents, like the first few months, we just drank a yeah. lot and we were scared, <laughs> and depressed and traumatized. Right. And then it kind of got to the point where I was like, well, my hip still hurts, you know, and now I'm drinking more and now I kind of feel crappy. So right. let's cut this off. Yeah. <laughs> and a Pilates studio, a reformer-based Pilates studio opened up in Conshohocken, mm-hmm. so not too far. Right. And I just thought, this is it. This is this is the time for me to start doing Pilates regularly because before that, I just couldn't really find any studio that had the hours or that had a reformer mm-hmm. because I found that mat-based Pilates was kind of boring mm-hmm. and just didn't keep me interested. Right. So I did Pilates for two and a half years before before I met you guys and I was feeling pretty good mm-hmm. but I still had this sort of nagging constant low level pain mm-hmm. and I thought for a while that this is it this is this is my life like this is it's always going to feel like this no matter what I do and I just kind of ignored it mm-hmm. you know I'd go to Pilates I'd do my workout I'd come home and be like Ugh, it hurts. I got to ice. Maybe I can't go to Pilates tomorrow because I have to ice and it hurts, you know? So there, there was still a lot of discomfort. I was feeling a lot better, um, but still a lot of discomfort, still pain, but I kind of gave up a little bit and was sort of resigned to the fact that this is my life. (laughs) That's tough. Especially after all, like, you know, all the years of trying different things and then kind of finding, like, you know, this is where I think it kind of yeah. is dead. Because the physical therapist said, you know, you should do Pilates. I think right. this would really benefit you. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm doing it. I'm a year in. I'm two years in. Why does it still hurt? And so it was really until I met you guys that I started to think differently that, oh, it doesn't actually have to hurt forever. <laughs> what an amazing feeling. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it was like an yeah. awakening. That's amazing. Was there, so in the back of your mind, there was this little like, okay, this is it. But at the same time, you know, something interesting you said was the glass is half full. So there, as you look at things, there was like half of the glass was empty, which was like, okay, this is it. But also that half that was full was like, there might be something else that's out there. Yeah, because I never stopped trying because that's, that's who I am. I'll never stop trying. Mm. And so when the school had the, the gala, the fundraiser, um, and there was an opportunity to, to bid on things, your package was available. And I think I told you, I was the only one who bid on it. And I just remember thinking like, this would this should be the first thing that would go. I thought I was gonna lose, and I was like disappointed. I had like like an emo it was like an emotional roller coaster. I was disappointed because I thought I was gonna lose. Because when I read the description, I was like, "What is this gym? This I need to be. I need to know about this gym, you know." And when I won it, I was just like, "Fate makes better plans than we do." This was mm. meant to happen. <laughs> That's such a great quote. This was meant that. to happen. <laughs> You know, when you came in, we, you know, we did an assessment and, you know, we talked about a lot of things. And I remember you saying to me, my goal is to be able to run again. Yeah. And I said, okay. And I said, I can't promise you anything. <laughs> did that surprise you? What's that? Like at the time, were you like, I don't know. <laughs> so. <laughs> sure made him nervous. Yeah, like, it, it always does, right? Like, um. However, the redeeming quality of movement and what it's capable of within people never ceases to amaze me. It absolutely, just when I think I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of a glass half full, half empty kind of guy. Like, I'm, I'm like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and it, it just, things really start to surprise me. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, it's working. And I'm like, I know a lot or a little about this. She knows a lot more. Okay. <laughs> She's got a graduate degree in it and all of it. Um, but I've seen people transform. I think, and I believe that movement is kind of this uh, keystone habit within our mind. If we imagine this beautiful arch with blocks and there's the block right here. That's kind of the keystone. And exercise i believe is that keystone habit so when you move that block in the, the top of the keystone the whole arch kind of moves and in the mind as we start to move more and become consistent and be able to do things we're able to change a lot of our habits around us and also a lot of other things change and i knew that <clears throat> speaking to a lot of pts and 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 uh, you know chiropractors and all this stuff and it's like you have to add a movement practice in after it because that's really the magic. They like put you in a little direction and then they're like, okay, well now you have to go do all this work. And I know that we really try to be that place where the work gets done. Um, it's slow and methodical. It's, you know, we're going to do one thing. We're going to try. Um, it's almost like a, a movement lab. Like we're going to try different things and oh, well that works. And we do experiments because with experiments, we have a hypothesis and we can fail or succeed. And then we can try again. And that's kind of the mindset that we try to get around clients so that expectations get easier. We don't have these high expectations of like, I'm going to run again. I'm like, well, 
Okay, great. So we're going to do a bunch of stuff. Okay, if I need help, I'm going to add some other people in. But we're going to try some things and we're going to see if it works. And we're going to keep trying. And you had the right mindset coming in where patient. Okay, um, you were very much, uh, I can be a turtle in this process rather than run yeah. really fast like a rabbit and be like, I need this result. I need to be running again. Yeah. And we hadn't even really scratch the surface of rehabilitating my hip before I actually ran that race. Mm -hmm. Like I completed my 5k mm -hmm. and only, you know, five months into being here mm -hmm. and there's so much work left to be done on my hip. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that I was able to do it back then mm -hmm. with just a few tweaks mm -hmm. or, or few, you know, I don't know what to call it, practices, exercises, mm -hmm. is, was incredible. I just really wanted to prove that surgeon wrong. Because <laughs> what he told me was so like soul crushing. Yeah. What do you mean I'll never run again? You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm in my 30s. What are you talking about? Well, now I'm 41. But yeah, when but he told time, me that, I was just right. like, <laughs> how dare you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like framing it differently may have even like empowered you to be like, well, it might be tough, but if you try really hard, maybe yeah, get right. Yeah. And it's you know, it's a similar message, but the way it hits is so different. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was only until my oldest Mia started running cross country, and she, you know, with when kids ask you things, you really want to be able to say yes, right? And she came to me and she was like, "Mommy, will you run this five k with me?" And I, I wanted to say no with all of my being because I really didn't think that I could do it. And it was just that moment. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do everything that I can to run that race with you. And then I ended up not only running it with her, but she's the one who needed to stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's incredible. And I was like, come on, let's keep going. I, I really want to beat my time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but what great motivation for her too, like an yeah. example to like keep pushing forward and keep trying. Yeah. So you've mentioned your daughters a lot, right? And this yeah. is, this is um, if we can teach our kids anything, it's the things that we did. It's like when you talk about, your, you saw your father just say, stay with it, keep going, be patient, mm -hmm. right? He didn't just tell you that. He showed you he that, showed it. Yeah. right? So with that being said, what you're doing now in your fitness journey what are three things that you like to like if you could three things that you could teach your daughters mm. right two or three things well first of all i think there are a couple of things that that i that i want them to develop one is to be okay with being uncomfortable mm. because i think for whatever reason this might be our generation's fault but kids today are less able to be uncomfortable yeah and i think it's so important to be in an environment that is not of your choosing and for you to listen to somebody that you don't necessarily want to listen to and just be uncomfortable because if you're not uncomfortable then how do you learn how do you grow how do you mature <laughs> and life just can't be rainbows all the time <laughs> The other thing 
which is something that I didn't learn when I was a kid because I was so focused on pleasing my parents. But I think this is really important and I'm really only coming to it now at 41 years old is that you have to fail. You have to fail. And I think children, especially our firstborns, are parent pleasers. Mm -hmm. And my daughter is very type A and she wants to do the absolute best that she can do and please me. And I tried to actively fight back against that and just say, it's okay to fail. Failure is a beautiful thing. <laughs> something that I wasn't ever really good at because I always wanted to be the best. I always wanted to please my parents. And I, you know, I never strayed outside of the things that I was really good at doing. And I just, I want them to, to do things that maybe they stink at and that's okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's how we, like, like you said, expand our area of growth and our comfort zone, right? Yeah. If we stay in our comfort zone, it never expands. Yeah. And I would say, lastly, I just want them to have perspective. The way that my dad taught me when I was growing up is to just have perspective. Life is long, and not everything is an emergency, and everything will be okay. <laughs> everything will be okay. Just be patient. Awesome. Is there, that was incredible. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to add? In talking about fitness, it's really important to find somebody who believes in the same things you do and i think that's what makes you guys so special is because i've never met anybody in the fitness world or the medical community who thinks about life and fitness and health the way you guys do mm. and it's like it's not about losing weight it's not about you know having nice biceps that those are happy byproducts mm -hmm. <laughs> to some people that's what they're searching for. Right. But for me, I just want to move. I just want to be able to get up and move and right. do whatever the kids want to do. And and you guys um, are really excellent at, at helping people see that that's what's important in life. So thank you. I appreciate that. Nina, I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for spending the time. And we have a we have a little gift for you. And uh, we're excited for your progress and, and keep seeing it. Thank you. I couldn't have done it without you guys. So thank you. Thank you.